Welcome to Legacy Fundraising Chat, where we talk about everything legacy-related to help you as a fundraiser generate more interest amongst your supporters in legacy giving. I'm your host, Sunita Godu, founder of Persuasion and Legacy Marketer, providing consultancy, training, coaching, and interim legacy support to small to medium-sized charities. I'm delighted that the National Free Wills Network is sponsoring my podcast. They allow you to offer your supporters a free solicitor written will anywhere in the UK, and the charity receives full measurable results. With 15 years of experience and over 500 million raised in future income for charities, the network can help charities of all shapes and sizes launch and maximise their legacy programmes. To find out more, visit nationalfreewills.net. Hello listener, welcome to episode 30 and today's show I'm going to be interviewing a very different guest. So just a bit of background to this interview. So as part of the legacy marketing products that I offer my clients, I manage legacy telemarketing campaigns and when talking to clients, their common questions, how is the telemarketing call going to be received by supporters and what if you get complaints? Now, if you've listened to episode three, where I had Ben from QTS, Quality Telephone Services Telemarketing Agency, on the show, today's episode will make much more sense, so I do suggest that you go back and listen to that episode. So, on today's show, I have an actual caller that has done the job and is now taking on the role of monitoring calls at QTS. So, here's my interview with Lynn Neverett at QTS. Hello, Lynn. Welcome to the show. Oh, hi, Sunita. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, you're so welcome. So I think it'd be good for the listener to know what originally brought you to QTS and attracted you to working as a telephone fundraiser, because it's not something, I guess, a job that someone sits around thinking that they'd like to do that as a career. Uh, Most people are terrified of the phone. So uh, what brought you to QTS? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, I I was originally 27 years in travel, which I absolutely loved. Mm -hmm. Um, But then, you know, as these things happen, my hours change. um, That wasn't working for me anymore. Um, And Helen, who's our our CEO of QTS, she was a client of mine, along with her husband, Carl. So they said to, to, to me, you know, if you ever, if you girls ever fancied a change, ever fancied a, a job, you know, come and work for QTS. Mm-hmm. So the whole idea of, of working from home just appealed, uh, especially with you know, just having that flexibility. Um, you know, I had two, two young daughters at the time. And, you know, looking at the job, I believed I had transferable skills, mm-hmm. um, you know, working with the, the general public, speaking to them. Um, telephone work was a big part of what you know I was doing already Mm. Um, and asking for money wasn't ever going to be a phase because I I was in the sales part of travel yeah Yeah. (laughs) and also you know just having that um, that idea of the connection of these different charities you know just being able to do a bit of good really just raise some money um, and support for charities I thought that could be quite rewarding so that's how I I ended up being with QTS 
So Helen knew she was onto a good thing when she met you then. And uh, so basically you sold her a holiday and she sold you a job. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they were good clients of ours. And we, we had a you know lovely relationship with them over the years. Mm. Um, so got to know them quite well in, in that way. That's great. And so what's your role at QTS now, Lynn? Well, I've been with QTS now for seven and a half years. And as I said, wow. you know, I originally started as a telephone fundraiser. So I've, I've been there, I've done that. And I feel that as I now work with the team, because I'm currently the development manager, mm. um, as I work with the team, I'm just responsible for their development. I initially train new starters, you know, go on to monitor their calling and just be there to, to support them along the way. It's not like you said before, you know, not everybody can talk on the telephone. Mm. It's not as easy as you think. And, you know, sometimes we have a few hiccups along the way. So I'm, I'm just there to, to support them. And just train them, you know, when we have new campaigns, you know, work with our clients, you know, collate the calls because our clients love listening to our calls. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we sit down first thing in the morning uh, with my operations manager. We look at our operations report, just make sure that you know, everybody who said they were, they were going to be calling that day, that they, they have been calling. Mm-hmm. Um, just see how many contacts we've made, what the contacts rate, rate is like, you know, per fundraiser. Mm-hmm. Um, and just look at all of our campaign results. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah lots to it love it and I can obviously echo that as well because you and I have worked really closely together with charities yeah. running campaigns yeah. and I think it's actually probably reassuring for charities to know that there's a whole person yeah. dedicated to the quality control because I think sometimes there's an assumption that an agency or maybe other agencies I mean let's just mm-hmm. take QTS might yeah have a campaign run the campaign and it's just the callers doing doing their thing when actually there's someone like you who's there throughout the whole period the the, the calling period is that right yes I mean that the the, the clients you know they can get a little bit nervous you know we're Mm. we're let loose on their supporters of course um, Mm. and you know that they've they've kind of lost that control because they're they're handing it over to a third party so Mm. we we take that responsibility responsibility to our clients extremely um, seriously you know we want to do the best for them we want to be doing everything Mm. we can to make that campaign right and make it work and having been a fundraiser as well I've always been very protective of my supporters (laughs) so I completely understand what you're saying that you are you are being entrusted not just mm-hmm. with the supporters, but probably the most loyal supporters, mm-hmm. because those yeah. are the people that are most likely to leave legacies. And even yeah. if you are calling supporters that have lapsed, there's obviously been a period of time when they were very committed to the organisation. So, yes, I totally understand about having mm-hmm. control of supporters in a good way. In um, a good way. <laughs> in a good way, if it is possible to be good about control at all. So, Do you want to tell my listener a bit about the types of campaigns that you've worked on? Yeah, yeah, we we have, you know, several um, different varieties of campaigns and and different types of charities as well. Mm. Um, You know, we've worked at QTS, we've worked with over 70 different charities. Wow. Uh, We make, on average, over 200,000 calls per year. Campaign types, we have something as as straightforward and nice and easy, um, and everybody enjoys being on, on our welcome calls. So we just... You know, thanking that that supporter, welcoming them on board, making sure they've received their welcome pack, just checking we've got all the correct details. Everybody loves a welcome call. Mm. We have upgrade campaigns. So we're thanking those supporters for the support already. Um, and then just seeing if they could maybe support a little bit further if that's feasible. Gift day campaigns. 
mm-hmm. legacy campaigns Obviously. and you know, <laughs> legacy at the moment it's huge you know it's yeah. huge in the charity sector yeah um, and it's so so important and it can bring in so much extra you know funds for a charity mm. uh, we work on reactivation as you just um, touched on there Sunita mm. um, you know those those supporters aren't supporting anymore we just nice friendly call thanking them for that support previously and just seeing if they'd like to come back and they really are worthwhile calls because mm. sometimes those supporters don't even know that their direct debits stopped mm. so, you know, we're like we're telling them that oh yep this has happened you know a mm. couple of weeks ago a couple of months ago whatever it is um and they're like oh no I didn't mean for that to happen mm. you know we have so many direct debits going up don't don't we and mm. just sometimes one just um you know gets missed off or cancelled mm. by accident how have mm-hmm. you found legacy calling with lap supporters? Our legacy calling tends to be um, with supporters that are supporting currently. Yeah. Just to give them that gentle nudge, that little reminder yeah. um, that this is another way that they can support. That tends to be, you know, how we work. But that's not to say that that's not something we can look at in the future and just, you know, test the waters um, yeah. and, and just see how, how that might work out for everybody. I mean, I've certainly worked with clients on LAP supporters and they do mm-hmm. tend to be really strong legacy prospects, which is mm-hmm. might actually seem apparent when you kind of like look, delve into the data. So Lynn, do you have a favourite type of campaign? Personally, I never really minded what type of campaign that I worked on. Okay. Um, everybody, as I said before, everyone does like a nice welcome call. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's just a nice way to, to say a big welcome to that new mm. supporter and say a big thank you. There's no pressure. There's no monetary ask. But, you know, I've, I've never minded what sort of campaigns I work on. But charity wise, um, I do enjoy working with all the medical charities and the hospices, especially mm. Um you you it's quite funny Sunita because you actually become quite knowledgeable on different medical conditions um, you know I'm, I'm not saying I'm a, G, a GP but maybe I missed my calling I could have been a brain surgeon <laughs> but ultimately you know with these charities you just feel like you're making a big difference yes yes definitely and I suppose the numbers kind of speak for themselves don't they in mm. terms mm. of the people that are hospice supports and they yeah. can attribute how much of their legacy income is used for. Yeah. So definitely, I mean, you and I have worked on campaigns like that. So I completely understand. But yeah. obviously, we love all charities, don't we? So um, yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, and do you have any particular kind of like legacy calls that really stand out for you? I think with the legacy calls, the ones that stand out are the ones that you know they they're the pledges. They say yeah. to us, "Yep." it's already in my will yeah I've remembered you know whatever charity um and it's the stories behind it as well Sunita you know Mm. they've they've made that pledge or that they're intending to to make a a legacy pledge um because they've been affected um in some way during their life without hospice for example and they is this is just their way of just saying a big thank you and and when Ben came on the show before mm-hmm. on episode three, we talked a lot about the results. So we, we won't delve into that on, on this interview. Yeah. But I'd be interesting to know from you, why do you think supporters are so receptive to receiving a call? I think they're receptive to, to receiving the call because they're, they're just passionate about the charity. They might have an interest in, in say, for example, climate change. And they're mm-hmm. passionate about that subject. Mm-hmm. They might have used the services of their local hospice. 
they might have been diagnosed with a medical condition themselves or that of a relative mm, okay on a happier mm. note they might have rehomed a cat or a dog again this is their way of saying thank you um mm. it's simply wanting to to do do something and, and just pay something back so really it's the connection to the charity that we're talking yeah. about isn't yeah. it that it's that the, connection that, those personal that, experiences yeah and, and do you find that, that when you call and you say, you know, what charity you're calling on behalf of, do you, mm-hmm. do you find that change in the supporter's voice and that recognition? <laughs> yes, it's, yeah, yeah. it's quite funny because some, some people can be a little bit guarded and, you know, you yes. say, oh, oh, I'm just calling on behalf of, you know, whoever. And oh, yes, that's fine. And, uh, you know, they've let you in then. They've let yeah, you in. And yeah. you can tell, you know, as a charity fundraiser, you know, working from home, you're relying on your listening skills all the time Mm. Um, so you can just pick up whether you've called at the wrong moment or Mm. it's a good time to call and they're receptive of that call yes definitely and so so, let's get something from you then Lynn so what do you enjoy most about talking to supporters what do you get out of it um well being a charity telephone fundraiser it just puts us in a very privileged position Um, so we can at times just for a very small moment of time, be part of their lives. Um, they, they open up to us. You know, it might be a, a time that was difficult or challenging, or it mm. might be maybe you know, like a positive experience. They might have jumped out of a plane or, or run a marathon. Mm. Um, and they just care about that charity. So I think for me, I just used to enjoy you know, not knowing how or, or where that conversation was going to go. You know, and I, I had one gentleman, you know, we, we, he was very pleased to sign up for, for a regular gift. And we had a lovely, lovely conversation. And then right at the end of the call, we were just saying our goodbyes. He said, I've got a joke for you. I said, oh, OK, then. So I listened to his joke. We you know, had a little bit of a laugh. And then I reciprocated with one of my own. So it, it left us both giggling. Oh, so, that's you know, nice. It's nice. You know, you just sometimes you just, you know, you just start building that rapport. And that's, mm. that's what it's all about. Just yes, engaging. Definitely. I think it's always helpful to have two sides of the story, I suppose, in Mm -hmm. terms of it's never always plain sailing. And you did touch on earlier that people are going to be naturally suspicious when the phone rings, if it's a number they don't recognize. Absolutely. How do you manage that when you kind of sense the supporter might be suspicious of you at the the outset, really? Well, all of our calls are recorded and and right. regulated by various fundraising bodies yeah um so we firstly want to learn from these calls these calls that you know if they're going to go wrong you know what could we have done differently mm. um and a bad call can occur in various situations right you know someone's just literally had a bad day or we've called right in the middle of something you know we're, mm-hmm. we're not mind readers we, you know we're just trying to do yeah. our job but yeah. we get the backlash of that of course we might speak to someone uh, they might have a bit of a grievance with the, with, with the charity themselves. Mm. Um, so again, they take it out on us. Mm. We might, you know, and this comes up so, so often on our calls, we might speak to a supporter who is vulnerable. Mm. So with an unhappy supporter, you know, we just listen, we apologize on the charity's behalf. We try and mm. rectify that situation and, and just, you know, it's, it's damage limitation really. Mm. <laughs> um, but our callers, you know, they have the ability to be empathetic. Mm. They try and diffuse that situation and just draw on their own life experiences. And then if we come across, you know, someone who is 
vulnerable. Um, all of our callers, they know where to signpost these supporters, you know, to. Um, mm. we, they know who to who they can offer different avenues of contact. And we always revisit our own vulnerability policy. Great. And to those that we've you know, we've called up and, and it's the wrong timing, then when again, you know, big apology, I'm so sorry, I can tell you're busy. When would be best for us to call back? When's convenient for you? Mm. So the, the team are very experienced in all these situations. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I know that and can echo that. So that's brilliant. Mm. And what questions do you think charities could be asking their supporters that they don't do at the moment? What would you like to see kind of like coming through? It's a really, really good question, Sunita. Really good question. And I think sometimes charities, they can be apprehensive about asking in-depth questions, especially around sensitive subject matter like legacies mm. you know but we shouldn't be afraid to ask a person you know maybe how would they like to be remembered mm. you know this would this would make them think about the future mm. um, how they could maybe help that charity when they're gone mm. because you know we speak to our supporters and I, and I hate it when they they apologize no I can't help at the moment I can't do anything you know we we realize that everyone's got their own financial mm. restraints you know, mm-hmm. in the here and now, mm-hmm. um, but in death, you know, assets are left of and course. they could do so much good. Mm. Um, you know, we're not going <laughs> to, we're not going to, um, you know, these people aren't going to rush out and, and, and rewrite or write their will, but it just makes them think it's, it's, I suppose it's, I don't know, so in a seed. Definitely. So I don't think we should be afraid to touch on those sort of, you know, more in-depth questions, mm. but, you know, it's tough. So you'd like charities to be a bit braver with their questioning and, and go to places where the supporter is willing to go. And like you say, mm-hmm. with your experience, you're able to to work out who you can do that with and who you can't. Yes. So is that yes. a case of actually maybe testing it with you know, some charities? I think so. I'm responsible for the team. I look sure. at the team and I make sure that we put the right callers on the right campaigns you know the, the ones right. that would be able to handle these sort of questions yeah um, and sensibly put them to the, the supporter yes definitely because it's one thing to ask the question but it's another thing to be able to receive the answer and know mm. what to do with it and, and keep that in a very safe place because we are talking about legacies and people's mortality mm. yeah and I suppose yeah. if, if they've responded in a way that is initiating a conversation then mm. they clearly want to go there and again it's about you know those listening skills you know we we tend to ask a supporter what inspired you to support so if they've just lost a loved one do do we go down that route or do we just you know say thank them for the support Mm. Uh, and again our fundraisers are so experienced um, and they you know it's it's their call so we we always say to them you make the call that's great use your judgment that's brilliant I think that's a great piece of advice actually for our listener so Lynn, that is going to be the end, unfortunately, because I do need to keep the episodes under 30 minutes, as I've promised uh, my <laughs> yeah. listeners. But you and I talk loads anyway, so it's absolutely yeah. fine. I still get the pleasure of talking to you. Oh. Thank you so much for taking time out. And it sounds like it's getting busier and busier for QTS, which is absolutely great to hear. It's, it's an amazing time for QTS. It's yeah. And our results are amazing, too, for our charity. Mm. So, yeah, it's, it's a good time. Great. Thank you so much, Lynn. Thank you, Sunita. Lovely to speak to you. Takeaways from this episode for me are 
Supporters clearly love the phone. They're passionate about your charity. They want to talk about their legacy giving, especially if they've pledged. And the interview, I think, has given you a really good idea at the types of questions you could be asking your supporters if you do decide on doing a telemarketing campaign. And from a QTS point of view, what really stands out for me is their quality controls that they have in place. They're clearly hugely experienced, having worked with over 70 charities, and I've been working with them for 11 years. And it seems that you can call your supporters about anything, not just about legacy marketing with QTS. So that, my listener, is all for this one. If you do want to find out more about legacy telemarketing, you can book a call with me via my website, which is persuasion.org.uk. Thank you so much for tuning in to Legacy Fundraising Chat, brought to you by Persuasion, providing consultancy training and coaching to help fundraisers just like you. Thank you for everything that you do for your charitable organisation and the third sector, making it an inspiring place to work. I'm your host, Sunita Gudu, championing your legacy fundraising efforts.